Welcome to 28ish. We're a podcast dedicated to making space for menstrual cycles, cyclical living, divine feminine power, and everything in between. We get into the details of periods, hormones, cycle tracking, feminine business prowess, and every other aspect of being a bleeding person. I'm your host, Carrie McKinnon. I'm a menstruality mentor and the CEM, Chief Executive Menstruator at 28ish. Be sure to check us out at 28ish.com to see our cycle tracking art and feel free to leave us a comment letting us know what cycle day you're on. Thanks for listening and remember, your cycle is more than your period. Hi everyone, Carrie here. Before we get into this juicy interview with Ava Ashe, whose name I totally mispronounce in the introduction, sorry Ava, I want to ask you, would you be interested in syncing your hormonal cycle with your phone calendar in the click of a button? If so, there's an opportunity for you to become a beta tester of the 28ish app. We begin testing in January of 2023. You can sign up at www.28ish.com. Okay, enjoy the episode. Hello, hello. Today we are here with Ava Ash. Ava is a multi-orgasmic mentor, authentic tantra practitioner, and transformational therapy practitioner guiding you towards sexual liberation and healing through pleasure. She is passionate about putting the fun back in sex, all while reversing sexual dysfunction, accessing spiritual fulfillment, and stripping away past patterns and beliefs. From stripper to sexpert, she's certainly experienced in the arts of embodied love and pleasure. Welcome, Ava. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that you can join us here today. Me too. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm going to have a couple clients after this. And yeah, I'm just happy to be here to bring some sexual inspiration and knowledge uh, to the people listening. Yeah. Yeah. As a sexpert, I love that word. Me too. (laughs) It's very cool. Um, Where are you coming to us from? Uh, Well, I lived in South Florida for quite a long time, but I recently moved to Pennsylvania, Um, the little city of Lancaster. My partner got offered a job, so we thought we'd try it out for about a year. Um, And it's been really interesting. Definitely more conservative views on sex up here. And it's been been challenging, but, you know, I'm, I'm up for a good challenge and to kind of hit that topic of taboo on the head when it comes to talking about our sexuality, um, when I do see in-person clients anyways in this area. So it should be a fun experience and also very unique. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's immediately interesting. And yeah, very, um, I would say opposite. You said you were in South Florida before. Yeah, South yeah. Florida. I've lived in South Florida, so I, the, <laughs> the the sexual quotient is pretty high down there. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can imagine that Pennsylvania is quite different <laughs> because most places are quite different. Not to say I'm on Pennsylvania. Most places are quite different than South Florida. <laughs> Absolutely. I guess I didn't really think of that until I moved and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. We've <laughs> uh, got a culture thing here. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so in your when in your introduction, um, 
you know, it says from stripper to sexpert. Can mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit about your background and that story? Yeah, absolutely. The story of you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll just start by saying that um, before I was a stripper, I kind of dove into spirituality and um, pretty much right out of high school, I went to India. I went to India twice, actually, and traveled through Asia and things like that. I spent quite a lot of time um, diving into the, the spiritual context in India in particular um, through yoga. Mm -hmm. And I found that my time there, something didn't sit so well with me. And the fact of that was that we didn't talk about how our sexuality and pleasure fell into the spiritual components of what we were learning. And I would ask and other fellow um, people around me would also ask these questions as we were going through this training. And I just remember our answers were um, kind of just put to the side or not really answered straight on and straightforward. Um, and I think that when it comes to even speaking about sacred sexuality in general, um, there's kind of a misconception, right? There's like both of these worlds that exist within the spiritual realm where there are people who believe our sexuality um, is kind of beneath us in a way that it's, we're not going to gain spiritual enlightenment or <laughs> or knowledge or awareness through our sexuality um yeah. and i believe in quite the opposite right so i am an authentic tantra practitioner i'll get to that in just a second okay. but moving forward in my journey um when i when i got back to um, florida at that point i didn't have the community around me to really support um just this newfound growth and inspiration in me to really express myself. Mm -hmm. And a big part of that was expressing my sexuality. Um, so I ended up actually just kind of falling into becoming a stripper. And it was through a mutual friend that just kind of invited me out um, to this strip joint um, outside of this small town. And uh, there was just something about it that I really loved that felt really empowering at the time. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of a lot of knowledge that I gained in in that work um, and embodiment in that work. Um, but after a while, it, it started to become the opposite. I started becoming very drained. Um, I wasn't focusing on myself. Um, and I was kind of using my sexuality in order to seduce money, basically. Mm. Um, so I was kind of using my sexuality to do the opposite and it was, it was very draining. And I realized that I needed to take this further into more of um, a healing realm. So I, I ended up um, finding the Institute of Authentic Tantra. Um, during that same time, I became a transformational therapy practitioner. Um, and I'm also an authentic um, I'm also, sorry, a Tantra and shamanic yoga instructor as well. So there's a lot of unique aspects coming into play here, but, um, you know, I really take individuals, whether it's men or women, um, or couples, um, through these transformor transformative programs in order to not only enhance their sex lives, but be able to heal through pleasure, um, so yeah, that's, okay. that's why I'm here. So a little bit about my story. I kept it short. <laughs> that, that's a great story. Now, you know, it's, it's interesting to me and sticking out to me this, you know, is Tantra 
as a practice is that originating in India or elsewhere? And did you end up, you know, going back and, and going back to this kind of learning um, when you when you came to that part of your path? Yeah, so while I was in India, I remember coming across Tantra. And at that time, even to this day, most of the Tantra books, most, most of the sexuality books that combine spirituality are, um, they're not very accessible or attainable, meaning the practices in there are usually um, not the safest to just mm. go off of for a beginner or they're kind very, of advanced. Or, yeah, <laughs> or they're not very well written at all. So I was like, regardless of the information that I sought out, I was still asking the same question, like, what the hell is Tantra? And right. you know, a lot of most of my clients who come to me just based off the, the Tantra aspects, um, they, they are, the, they were confused as well. So yeah. I, I realized- well, could you- could yeah. you answer that question? What the hell is Tantra? For anyone listening that doesn't know, can you give us like a, a basic 101 of it? Yeah, absolutely. So you asked about the where Tantra originated, right? Um, mm -hmm. And there's, there's studies showing that Tantra traces back all the way to Africa. Okay. Actually, most people assume it's India, but there are um, it, it goes back further than that. And the lineage that I practice from um, is, is called the Shankaka lineage. And it actually um, is founded by a black woman named Naguma, who is, is thought to be of African descent. So that's a really, really cool thing because a lot of the lineages that you see in Tantra now um, mm -hmm. have been infiltrated by patriarchy or by religious institutions. So they're mm -hmm. not necessarily the authentic version. A lot of it has been changed or shifted or even manipulated through thousands of years, right? And we know this through any religion, really. Any, any spiritual practice that we seek is normally manipulated in some way. So just to give you a broad spectrum of what Tantra is, it can be many different components. It can be primarily sexual practices. It can be non-sexual practices. There's lineages of Tantra that actually cut out the, um, the they, they end the central channel at the navel. So they don't even include the genitals when, when we're talking about energy practices. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's lineages that include both and harness both of those mechanisms. And that's what I do. So basically, because this lineage is still an unbroken lineage to this day, when you come to me and learn these transmissions of the practices, you're getting all of the medicine poured down through the lineage itself. So they are incredibly medicinal. You cannot learn them in books um, or online, which I would not suggest anyways, because a lot of what people are teaching out there in the neo-tantra community can be quite dangerous. Mm. Um, but and by them, do you mean the, the positions or no. the practices? What, what do you mean by them? You say you cannot learn them and you don't suggest they learn them online. Practices can include the meditation practices. They okay. can include um, semen retention techniques. Um, in my lineage, we learn the Tibetan five elements and actually how to use them sexually as well. Um, so there is a big spiritual component of that. 
Um, that being said, the difference between authentic Tantra is that you have a teacher, you have someone who is guiding you through this transformation on all levels. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have the neo-Tantra world, which usually it's pulled from um, the, the, the Indian components of Tantra. Um, you see like Shiva Shakti, feminine masculine being thrown around a lot, goddess this, goddess circles and stuff mm -hmm. like that. That's more of the neo-Tantra community. Okay. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but just be aware of when you are going um, into this field and you're interested to know who you're going to be practicing with, because there are a lot of Tantra practitioners out there who are not teaching um, to code or to their own ethics. And it can be quite dangerous in that space. So I, I guess the biggest misconception is that Tantra is all about sex and okay. it's absolutely not. Um, there's a very small component of Tantra that is about sex and the rest of it is really about being able to use and harness pleasure as a mechanism for healing. And when I say pleasure, again, I don't mean just sexual pleasure. There's a right. whole wide world um, that is, that is an aspect of this. Does that give you some clarity? Yeah, no, definitely. And it's, you know, some of the questions that I had, um, around that, you know, the different types of pleasure, um, that you're referring to, um, or this, this idea of what pleasure looks like outside of sexuality and not, you know, framing everything in terms of, of sexuality and Tantra. Could you speak to that a little bit, like this concept of gratification versus authentic pleasures? And yeah, absolutely. So that's another really big thing um, that I hear a lot of people get mixed up is this, this, this variation between what is authentic pleasure and what is gratification. Pleasure mm -hmm. is something that comes from joy within you. It fills you up. You feel fulfilled within that space. Um, pleasure has the ability to open us into um, these greater depths of ourselves. Um, pleasure on a physical level can also rewire neural pathways to the brain. It helps us to, um, to heal on a neurological level, as well as a mental emotional level. And it also opens our capacity to how we view the world, right? So as we know, when it comes to um, trauma, because we all come into this world with trauma, um, that affects our nervous system on some level. So when we're talking about pleasure, not just sexual pleasure, it has the ability to heal us on every level. Mm -hmm. um, and then gratification would be something like sitting in front of the TV and eating a whole bag of chips, right? It might taste yeah. good. It might, you know, it might taste good and give you a little bit of like, oof, right? In that here and now, but you're not doing it out of this, this awareness, right? So I think that piece of awareness is how we discern what is authentic pleasure and what is discernment. And that can be tricky for individuals first coming into this space, even allowing themselves to feel authentic pleasure from their being. Because most of us are living um, in trauma responses and we're not actually allowing ourselves pleasures. Like yeah. you know, it's, it's more than going and getting a massage once a month. It's mm -hmm. more than 
just having an orgasm. It's more than buying yourself that cool thing on, on Etsy, you know, it's, it's so much more than that. So I guess asking yourself, is this really filling me up and having that awareness is where you really start to discern what is gratification and what is pleasure. And I'm not here to um, shame or shame anyone for having gratification. Sometimes sure. it's the medicine that we need in the moment, you know, right. Um, but again, just having that awareness. And then in terms of the different types of pleasure, we have actually four different kinds. We have obviously sexual pleasure, we have physical pleasure, we have mental and emotional pleasure, and we have spiritual pleasure. Mm -hmm. So asking yourself, am I just experiencing one of these in my day-to-day -day life? Or am I just doing that, fulfilling my pleasure in the same way all the time? How can I change that up? And when you ask yourself that question, am I allowing myself pleasure? Am I filling up every day? That starts to shift our reality around us. That's how it we begin to shift how we view the world. Um, yeah. I love that. And is, is that in the container of Tantra and the kind of Tantra practices that you lead Absolutely. like this? Yeah. Is that what it's about? Like this, the focus on authentic pleasure and the different types of authentic pleasure? Absolutely. That's definitely one huge component. Okay. Um, I also do incorporate a lot of um, sexology. So even knowing your anatomy is huge. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, that's a really block. That's a really big block to bliss, as we say, is not um, understanding or having the knowledge about our own bodies. So that's, yeah. that's number one. Um, the education, right? Yeah. Um, the second piece of maybe why we have these blocks to bliss is, you know, stored trauma in the body and just feeling numb overall, feeling disassociated overall, living day to day, day in and day out, and just kind of not, not being aware of what's happening around us. And again, that's due to um, the patterns and the memories that are actually stored in our bodies. Yeah. Um, and then we also have beliefs surrounding this too. So that's another aspect yep. of what I start to pull in is working directly with the subconscious mind. Um, the really beautiful thing about transformational therapy is that it is a type of hypnotherapy, but it incorporates things like neuroscience, um, mm -hmm. CBT, NLP, um, psychotherapy. So it has all of these different components. So within one session, people are experiencing these huge transformational shifts on all levels. And that's really, I believe, one of the first components that we also need to look at, because otherwise, we're just going to keep <laughs> coming up against this wall every single time we, we, yeah. we jump into something new, because the brain hates change. Yeah. The brain does not like change. It's the brain wants to keep you safe. So the way that it does that on, um, if we call it the reptilian brain, you know, the, the brain that we used to function from thousands and thousands of years ago is that we, with ch change meant danger in some way. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we still have that within us on some level, change frightens us. Ask anyone change is a big fear for most people. Um, yeah. so the way that, again, we can enter into the subconscious and be okay with change and shifts 
in a way that can also feel pleasurable and feel good to us. It's like a win-win. Who doesn't want that? Because otherwise we're going to try to be doing it through the conscious mind all the time. And it's going to be torture. That's why yeah. most people don't go further in. They don't, they don't jump in deeper because it's just not pleasurable. It's literally so painful. It's excruciating, mm -hmm. but it doesn't always have to be that way. Not saying you'll never experience pain again. That is totally false, but our ability to open into the capacity in which we can hold pain and yeah. hold those emotions that are uncomfortable is exactly what pleasure allows us to do. Wow. Yeah. That that's really interesting. And I imagine just because of the, the focus of your work that you are probably um, dealing with or highly equipped to um, help people that are maybe really hesitant or experiencing shame around even wanting more, you know, sexual mm -hmm. pleasure and authentic sexual pleasure and connection in their relationship. Yeah. And is it is it in this this change mechanism that that you're speaking about, like the the fact that it's I imagine. Yeah, I've I've never been to a sex therapist, but I can imagine. Yeah, it would be quite potentially uncomfortable initially, even to get in the room, you know, even to like get past those barriers of opening up and speaking to someone else outside of your relationship and. Yeah, I, allowing I, the vulnerability at that yeah. level. I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, that that's definitely a huge thing for some people. And the first step to like asking for help is just realizing that your sexuality and your ability to experience pleasure is affecting your life on every single level. It's affecting the relationships you bring in. It's affecting yeah. the amount of money that you're able to bring in. It's affecting um, just the overall, um, sensations in your body that you can experience, um, yeah. affecting the people you bring into your world. It's affecting your business, your job, it's affecting all aspects. So again, pleasure is the mechanism for us to open wider and open, think of it as like a container, right? Pleasure is this um, is our ability to open wider into the world around us so that mm -hmm. we can hold the container to bring those things into our world. Oh, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. And what you're saying, it makes a lot of sense. You know, like, I think you can like, I know for me, if, if I go too long without having sex, like I can get in such a mental funk that like only mm -hmm. sex can heal, right? That, mm -hmm. that when you, reconnect and, and have sex and it's like oh god okay the whole world is just better right like I got this it's cool you know <laughs> just yeah. like really yeah and what, what yeah. is that about <laughs> why, why why is it like that well self-pleasure is equally as important I just want to say so, that. yeah so not just with someone else okay yeah self-pleasure yeah. as well yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Right. Even if in your long-term relationship, self-pleasure is a necessity. It is part of your sovereignty. Um, yeah. So that being said. So it's more just to clarify there. Yeah, absolutely. It's more about that, that release um, being with yourself or with someone else, right? The fact though of experiencing that pleasure is maybe what's shifting you into a different mindset. 
Well, you mentioned release and, and to me that sounds more like the type of orgasm that we're normally experiencing okay. and pleasure, right? It doesn't just mean like this, a peak moment of orgasm, right? So again, like it's also about us being able to shift out of like, what is orgasm and what does orgasm mean to me? Because mm-hmm. no matter what, when you're in a high state of pleasure, whether it's sexual or non-sexual, you're still going to be flooding your body with all these beautiful hormones and chemicals that are really healing you from the inside yeah. out. Um, and and when we're talking about um, sex and tantra, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't jump straight into sexual practices with anyone. I don't start teaching sexual practices to any of my clients on their first session, because that doesn't make, that doesn't make sense. We need, we need to have the capacity and understanding of what's going on energetically in our body and how we can access pleasure outside of a sexual state before we start adding on that additional layer. Right. So, um, I think that when people are experiencing this irritability and kind of buildup of tension in their bodies, mm-hmm. it's more so because they are not experiencing pleasure or allowing themselves pleasure on a, on a regular basis and mm-hmm. less to do with um, the sex itself. Because all we want okay. is connection, right? Yeah. All we want is connection. I mean, connect, connection is the antidote to all suffering. So when we're able to connect, Right. I think that, um, and connection, can you be clear on connection with what, because you mentioned that, you know, self-pleasure also is a thing. So what is self-pleasure connecting with, with your own mechanism, your own ability to feel pleasure or that expansion that you mentioned earlier? Absolutely. It's a totally different experience, right? Having Uh sex with yourself versus with another person. Right. So there's actually quite a few components about this. So I'm glad that you asked. Um, self-pleasure, number one, allows us to explore our own bodies. So it, 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 takes, it, it takes us or it gives us the opportunity to take pleasure into our own hands because pleasure is our responsibility. It's no one else's. Mm-hmm. I see this a lot in relationships, long-term relationships. I used to do this with my partner only a few years ago. Why don't you please me? Why don't you make me orgasm? Don't you know what I like? It's your job to do X, Y, Z. We tend to do that. And it's not anyone else's responsibility, but ours to communicate what we're needing, what we're desiring, how we sexually communicate in the moment, right? And that takes a lot of vulnerability and it also takes practice because we need to understand that with ourselves in a self-pleasure scenario before we take it into the bedroom or with another partner, right? Yeah. Um, And of course the self-pleasure also gives us the ability to really understand and, and hone in on what's going on within our own bodies, because we can come up against blockages. We can come at blockages might be, um, you might be experiencing them as numbness, pain, irritation, that could be physical or emotional. So, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of women in particular experience these symptoms in the midst of sex, um, or women who just experience pain all the time or numbness Mm -hmm. all the time. So that's another indicator that, engaging in your own self-pleasure practice and breathing through it and slowing down and just focusing on pleasure alone and not um, the end point, not orgasm. Yeah. 
that's where we start to bring in pleasure as a mechanism for healing. And, you know, in my personal practice, I've been able to, obviously I have other tools and practices that I use um, on an energetic level, like the Tibetan five elemental practices and things like that. Um, but just as a whole in my own practice, I've been able to remove blockages, remove memories that I had no idea were stored in my genitals or in my body and remove them during a sexual practice. That is being your own best healer. You can do that yeah. yourself while experiencing pleasure. And then maybe at the end, you have one of the most amazing orgasms you've ever had in your life. <laughs> yeah. That's my personal experience and it's totally possible, but it does take practice. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. That, you know, the, the slowing down, I saw something on um, your Instagram page about that as well. Um, this theme of, you know, slowness and connection. And that really reminded me a lot of what we practice with the menstrual cycle awareness of, of this making space for yourself, you know, yeah. um, and especially like around your bleeding time, like even something that's quite radical to so many uh, women and people that bleed is, is to just give it space, just stop, allow it, stop acting like it's not there and you're just going to do everything the same and allow space for it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And the slowness aspect doesn't mean like less sensation or less awareness or, yeah. or zoning out in some way. Right. A lot of people misconcept uh, that kind of narrative when we're talking about sexual pleasure, for example, and they're first starting to learn, um, for example, like how to become multi-orgasmic. That's how, that's how we're able to slow down and being able to um, experience pleasure um, and sensation um, without going over the edge. So a lot of people assume that they're just going to like not experience any type of sensation at all, but yeah. that's not true. There's like so much more awareness in that space where you're able to expand your capacity for pleasure. So yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, very interesting. What about sex on your period? Do you practice this or do you, I, I, you don't have to answer that personally. If you want to, you can, but do you promote this practice? Does it come up in <laughs> with your clients? Do, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to hear I, your thoughts on, yeah, <laughs> on this. I do. I do. I personally have sex on my period when, you know, when it feels right. And I, I also encourage um, the women in my programs to do the same. A lot of us, and I was the same way, actually experienced a lot of shame around our periods. I had no idea I had this much shame around my personal period until um, a partner at the time was um, wanting to have sex and I kind of pushed them away and said, no, no, I'm on my period, even though I wanted to have sex. Yeah. So I, I immediately started to realize through the years that there is some shame around just um, having my period and bleeding and being able to have sex at the same time. But I got over that, I got over <laughs> that relatively quickly. And I, I highly enjoy sex on my period. I think that there's um, a slowness and a depth involved when um, you have a partner who wants to engage um, in sex on your period. In my own experience, yeah. Yeah. you have to communicate that. You have to communicate how your body is feeling. 
You know, you might not be able to be penetrated as deep. You might want it nice and slow and connective and looking in each other's eyes and breathing. And it's perfect. That's beautiful. It changes throughout the month, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. yes, I highly suggest at least attempting or trying to have sex on your period, seeing if you actually enjoy it, you know? Yeah. I've always thought it's kind of um, a radical act having sex on your period in terms of like, it's, it's that much more of fighting the patriarchy a bit like, Hey, I'm a bleeding person. And <laughs> this, is, this is about as close as you're going to come to experiencing this with me and it not being a taboo or something that's gross, you know, but some like a shared, I, I yeah. think it could be a powerful thing in a couple actually. Absolutely. And you know, there's, I know there's like a lot of like even witchcraft, witchy stuff out there mm. that says the mixing of semen and, and blood is a really powerful, um, some kind of powerful medicine. I forget why that is, but just, just thinking about how much nutrients and how much vitamin yeah. and vitality is in semen and how much nutrients, vitality, um, and, and all that good stuff is in your blood, like mixing yeah. things. Like, I think there's definitely an energetic component to it too, that can be really beautiful. And if you have a loving partner, um, who accepts you for who you are, like, they're totally going to be down to have period sex with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you mentioned a second ago, um, and we talked about this a little bit before, uh, before we started recording today, um, this thing of sex, experiencing it differently in different parts of the cycle. I would love to talk about that a bit more and hear your thoughts on it. Cause I know I'll just say, I know that like, for me, I'm very, cyclical with my my sex drive is extremely cyclical <laughs> mm -hmm. right and and pretty predictable <laughs> I would say like I know when I'm ovulating I mean I, I practice menstrual cycle awareness anyways but I always know when I'm ovulating because that's the time when I really want sex can't stop thinking about it. it's the only thing that's going to make it okay um, and then there's other parts of my, you know, I know when I'm done because there I do, I can kick into a, you know, get away from me like thing. Like I'm, I'm done with that. I don't need that right now. It's not, it's not what's driving me. Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and how that maps into these different types of orgasms and different types of pleasures that you experience in different parts of the cycle. Yeah, well, because we're talking about women, I'll just say that women can experience over 15 different forms of orgasm, okay? Wow. And normally, the, the, the major type of orgasm that most women are familiar with or, or experiencing most of the time is a clitoral orgasm. Mm -hmm. Maybe it will be in conjunction with penetration, maybe not, maybe it's just a toy. So in terms of, you know, moving in to your cycle, for example, um, you know, like you mentioned being very turned on and horny during ovulation, right? That's not a shocker. So right. <laughs> basically your cervix and your yoni is probably going to be more open to deeper types of penetration. So at that time, it would probably be, um, it would be a good time for you to start exploring maybe cervical, cervical orgasm, a spot orgasm, um, P spot orgasm. So um, just to give you an idea of that location, obviously cervix is, is the deep, you know, one of the deepest, 
um, yeah. penetrative points, right? So you want to be very warmed up, even if you are ovulating in order to um, kind of bring more pleasure into that area. Mm -hmm. um, the A spot is on the anterior side of the vagina. So it is, um, it's, it's not as far back as the cervix. Um, mm -hmm. It is still deep, but it's on the anterior side. So the belly button side of, um, of the vagina. And then the P spot is directly across from that on the posterior side. Okay. Um, so just to give you an idea of like how you can get more access to these areas is obviously with a partner, or I highly suggest you explore these areas first, maybe with a toy. And I don't suggest a vibrating toy for this just yet. I would suggest something like a wand, like an S-shaped wand tool um, in order to start to gently palpitate and massage these different areas of the vagina while breathing very deeply while bringing in that state of awareness and also preferably while still stimulating another area of your body that is very pleasurable, probably going to be the clitoris, um, but it could be a different part of the yoni or a different part of the body as well. And that's actually called pleasure transference, where we okay. take pleasure um, from one part of the body and we transfer it to another part that may have been painful, numb or irritated. Um, before. So again, this is a practice that you can do if you sense that there are different parts of your vagina, of your vulva, any part in your body actually that is experiencing um, pain, numbness, or irritation. Um, and then if we start to move more towards our periods, right, mm -hmm. um, maybe a few days before you bleed, for example, for myself, that's where I really enjoy G-spot stimulation. The G-spot is a real spot. Yeah, I was um, going to ask, is that really a thing? It is a real <laughs> spot. I think that, um, well, I know that a lot of women are not experiencing pleasure or sensation there because the G-spot is a well-known area to store trauma. So, so what happens is when we are, you know, if we're storing, it's not just sexual trauma when I say yeah. that, by the way. Sure. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot out about that right now. This trauma being stored in our hip area and, and womb area. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. Well, the G spot is a really big area that, that does store trauma. Um, and I've noticed that a lot of women will come to me and say, I don't feel anything there, or it's just numb, or it actually feels very uncomfortable. And the trauma is one reason that could be happening. Another reason is that um, they're not using the correct type of stimulation. The G-spot really loves pressure. So mm -hmm. for example, when you just take a vibrator toy to the G-spot, it's going to irritate it a lot. Uh, and yeah, again, the G-spot likes this firm pressure. So if you just press and come off, press and come off, maybe with a finger or two at first, that's how you start to engorge the G-spot. Otherwise, if you're not engorging the G-spot before you're penetrating with the toy or your partner, um, it's going to be very irritated. So, you know, just to give you an idea of maybe some tips to locate that G-spot area, um, and I was just saying that maybe a few days before your period or something like that, because yeah. that's how I personally feel. I don't want um, G-spot stimulation, like, <laughs> um, you know, when I'm, 
you know, maybe when I'm in a different part of my cycle, for example. Maybe like post bleed. Yeah. So you're saying yeah. in the luteal phase or the inner autumn or pre bleeding. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Um, oh, and then the location is just about two to three inches anterior side of the vagina. So okay. two to three inches inside the vagina, anterior side, the texture feels like the roof of the mouth. It has kind of a rough texture to it. That's your G spot. Okay. Um, and one more fun fact about the G spot, because I love talking about this, <laughs> is that <laughs> this is believed to be where squirting originates. Okay. Oh. So, um, cool. Squirting is a very real ejaculate for women and you can experience it. It is not pee. It comes from yeah. the periurethral glands. So play with your G-spot. See if, <laughs> see if you can experience different forms of orgasm. Um, I think that's really beautiful. So I love that. Yeah. This talk, I, I, I don't want to take away from the the kind of tracker on but I would just like to ask and just make sure I've got it right because you're talking about you know for example in order to to even find or experience pleasure with the g-spot and and to begin on that um that the trauma that is stored there in our pelvis is something that needs to be addressed so is this a way that you work with people that come to you do you help them release that trauma yeah, I teach and them. Yeah, I heal. teach them the practices and tools for them to take home and do on uh -huh. their own in order to facilitate that healing for themselves. Okay. Um, so I, I mean, I'm that. just asking because you, you pull in the you know you you've you've had like yoga training. You mentioned shamanic yoga, which sounds really interesting. Um, <laughs> but like I've seen these like videos of you know like take take this these two tennis balls, put it in a sock, and put it like in between your you know hip bone and in the pelvis area and like lay on it. And that can help to like the physical pressure can help to release the stored trauma that is there. Interesting. I haven't heard of that one, but yes, there are definitely somatic tools and physical tools that you can use okay. in order to help in the dissolution of trauma. Um, I personally also teach yoni yoga. So, um, that's where we take yoni eggs or yoni balls and you get to learn how to actually use them tantrically with the breath and awareness um, and be able to move energy and things like that um, throughout your body by using the yoni yoga techniques. There's a lot of other um, benefits of that, including like upping your libido and just overall lubrication is like off the wall when I'm doing yoni yoga. I'll keep my yoni again all day long. And when I take it out at the end of the day, like I'm just lubed up, like ready to go. So there's, <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of benefits to yoni yoga. And that's like, there are some aspects of that that I do incorporate into my programs and movement, like you were mentioning is incredibly beneficial. Um, I personally also teach um, the erotic expression of the Tibetan five elements. So there are different pelvic movements that go along um, with the energy components of, of Tantra as well. Um, so yes, it's, it's all related. Okay. Definitely. So you've, You've mentioned the Tibetan five elements a couple of times. Can yeah. you just run through them? What are those five elements? Sure. Um, so one thing about the Tibetan five elements is that um, these are really unique because they are different from the traditional chakra system that uses the spine and pushes energy out the top of the head for like these ecstatic Kundalini experiences. We mm -hmm. use the central channel, which is considered to be safer 
um, and more poet when it comes to actually healing trauma and the dissolution of it. Um, so those elements are fire, obviously, sitting at the pelvis. Then we have earth sitting at the navel. Space is at the heart. Air is at the throat. And water is at the top of the head. Hmm. So these are also considered Vajrayana, if anyone's listening and is um, familiar with different kinds of Tantra. This is a very accessible means of Tantra that is very potent and so medicinal. I absolutely love teaching the Tibetan five elements. Great. Thank you for running through that. Yeah. Now I did say, I didn't want to get us off our track before. And I, I want to go back to this thing. So we've talked about, you know, ovulation phase, that ovulatory time, which we would call, you know, inner summer into inner fall, the luteal phase, approximately. Um, what kind of, and this is going to be kind of a funny question, what kind of sex or pleasure, if you will, would you recommend in our other two phases, our menstrual phase, and then that post bleed building up to ovulation? Well, it, it definitely depends on the person. Um, for myself, when I'm in the bleeding phase, I don't like super deep penetrative sex. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it could just be a little bit of penetration, um, or sometimes I am turned on and I want, you know, it deeper yeah. it really depends. Sure. Um, and then in terms of what was the other question went before well, the other one is the face. Yeah. After the bleeding. And just to give you context, text, right? From in menstrual cycle awareness and, um, you know, the, these phases of the menstrual cycle map onto our, our earth seasons. It's a great way to remember that. And so the menstrual phase is an inner winter, winter, inner winter, <laughs> not an inner winter. It's an inner winter too, but <laughs> an inner winter. And the kind of properties around that are very, well, extremely medicinal. It's one of the most, um, sacred, I would say, phases yeah. of the entire cycle. You know, it's really, yeah. um, it's really a, a, a big stopping. There's a lot of wisdom that can come in in that time. And it's a yeah. turning inward. Yeah. Um, so that's the menstrual phase when you start an inner winter. So from there, you're going into inner spring. And this is what, you know, they're calling, this is what hor- hormonologists and the hormone hormonal cycle refers to as the follicular phase. And for this inner springtime, the properties that are there are oftentimes a type of rebirth, a newness, a curiosity, if you will, Mm -hmm. Um, but still not completely in this, like the same outward spontaneous energy, almost like masculine energy of the ovulatory phase. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the inner spring or that follicular building up to ovulation. I imagine there'd be a lot of different kinds of pleasure to explore. <laughs> and like, maybe that's a great time for exploring different types yeah, of pleasure, you, right? Yeah, you definitely, you mentioned exploring. And yeah. um, I mean, even outside of sex, I think that would be a really great time to start exploring other forms of pleasure Mm, outside of sexual pleasure, the physical pleasures, the spiritual pleasures, the mental and emotional pleasures. Um, Yeah, I think that we are kind of in a headspace to be more exploratory, perhaps in that part of our cycle. And you could explore things outside of your sexual pleasure as well if you're not feeling super turned on or really wanting a lot of sex too. Okay. 
Yeah. Very, very, very cool. <laughs> Thank you for uh, playing along and <laughs> trying to map these <laughs> pleasures yeah. onto the different parts of our cycle. That's, that's pretty powerful. Um, if anyone that's listening, I, I'm just like looking up and in a blink, we've, we've basically almost gone through a full hour talking, which I'm not surprised. I knew that this would be a loaded conversation to have. Um, I'm wondering though, if anyone's listening and they're wanting to work with you, how they could work with you, how they could connect with you. Do you do courses or is it just client-based work? What is, what is that about? Right now I'm offering, um, a few different programs, um, but you still have the opportunity to work, um, one-on-one -on -one with me through transformational therapy. If you feel that the beliefs and the habits surrounding your sex life are, um, inhibiting you in any way. Um, I work with individuals from sexual trauma to PMDD to sexual dysfunction. So that's also an option. Um, in terms of where you can find me is flamewithintantra.com. And I also post a lot of like great tips and things on my Instagram at ava, ava.ashe, A-S-H-E. Um, and then the programs that I'm currently offering range from opening to pleasure for women um, to sexual finesse for men and lucrative lovers mentorship for couples. Um, these sessions can range from six to 12 sessions for the singles and anywhere from 12 uh, to 20 sessions for the couples. Um, so you're welcome to come and connect with me on Instagram or if you, if you like email, I will respond to you for email too, of course. Um, and you can also book a sexploration call with me for free um, for a limited time. You can go on my website and there'll be um, a link on there for you to book directly. Um, yeah, you can book directly through my website if you want to book a sexploration call with me to learn more. So yeah, I want to connect with you. <laughs> Thank you, Ava. And I'll provide all that in the show notes, all the links to the IG and the website and email and, and anything else. Thank you so much for um, sharing your wisdom, your expertise, your, your practice with us here today in such a chill and comfortable way. <laughs> I can tell that you're good at what you do. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. This is Carrie, and I just wanted to drop in quickly to remind you to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and head on over to www.28ish.com to sign up for our newsletter. And remember, your cycle is more than your period. Bye!